Welcome to ADHD SOS. We've heard your call, and don't worry, help is on the way. This is the only podcast that combines mindset skills, cognitive psychology, and the motivational pep talks you need to beat procrastination and achieve peak performance. Join me, your host and fellow ADHDer, Tina L., as we journey from SOS to smooth sailing. Welcome back, SOS Squad. Today, today we are talking about how to make powerful decisions when you have ADHD. First, I want to invite you to do a little thought experiment with me, and this comes from the former professional poker player, Annie Duke. Now, I encourage you to press pause and consider your answer to the next two questions after I ask them. Number one. What's the best decision you've ever made? Press pause. Yes, you. If your hands are free, press pause and take this moment to think about your response. Number two, what's the worst decision you've ever made? Again, press pause now if you want a moment to think about your response. If you're like most people, you chose what you chose as your best decision based on the great outcome it resulted in. And you chose what you chose for your worst decision based on the terrible outcome it resulted in. Annie Duke calls this resulting, and it's an irrational way of thinking. You've confused the result of the decision for the quality of the decision making. But in reality, having a good decision making process does not always produce the outcome we want. The results are not within our control. And that's because luckiness or unluckiness has a lot to do with outcomes. Here's a hard truth that can be easy to forget. The best decision-making process can still lead to a bad outcome. For example, you decide to stop at a red light. I think we can all agree that this is almost always a good decision. But then, but then you get rear-ended when you stop at that red light. And that's a bad outcome that is the result of bad luck, not of poor decision making. Ah, this this very thing actually happened to me. And I still think it's a good idea to stop at the red light. The other thing is that with luck on your side, a poor decision making process can have a positive outcome. For example, let's say you run a red light and get to your destination faster without incident. Unless your life or someone else's life depends on it, this is probably a poor decision. You took a big risk. You possibly risked your life for that small gain of just a few minutes saved. The outcome was positive, but that doesn't make running the red light a good decision. It just makes you lucky. The upside of all this is that we are not always to blame for a bad outcome. Resulting is the fallacy that makes us the ones at fault when things don't go our way. For example, you choose to take this job over that job, and then not long after, let's say the company goes out of business. Or let's say you chose to start a new restaurant business at the beginning of a pandemic. You decide to move to a new city just before it suffers a catastrophic flood. 
Yikes. <laughs> These are bad outcomes, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the process you use to make the decision is a bad one. You may have had a totally solid and sound process for making the decision, and then you just got unlucky, resulting, equating the quality of our decision making with the quality of the outcome, is what makes us ignore the role of luck. Luck plays a huge role in what happens between when a decision is made and the outcome actually happens. But the truth is, if we want to understand whether it was actually a good decision or not, meaning like was it sound and well-reasoned, the most unbiased and rational way to do that is to actually look at the process we've used to get to our decision. This is the part that's within our control. We control the process that led us to our decision to stop at the red light and not whether the other cars stop too. So what does this mean for making decisions as adults with ADHD? It means that we can get better at the decision-making process. We can build the skill of decision-making and not fall into the habit of blaming ourselves when the outcome isn't the one that we'd hoped for. Making decisions can be so crazy difficult for us. It's an executive function. Those are the set of invisible mental processes that happen in our brains. And for most of us ADHDers, we are low on those. Executive functioning is what would help us hold the pros and cons of several options in our brain at the same time. This is the executive function of verbal working memory. Executive functioning would help us imagine the future and mentally picture how various scenarios could play out. This depends on the executive function of nonverbal working memory. Executive functioning would help us choose the thing that may be best for us but involves discomfort or delayed rewards. This depends on the executive function of emotional regulation. Because our executive functioning is impaired, these things are likely to be very difficult for us. Meanwhile, every day of our lives is made up of hundreds of decisions, and what we decide goes a long way in deciding the quality and trajectory of our lives. That means that learning to get better at decision making can be a literal game changer for us ADHDers. And that's the good news. Although decision-making is an invisible and often automatic mental process, it can also be a skill that we can improve on. And I'm going to introduce you to three very powerful thought experiments to improve your decision-making skills and also tell you about some major pitfalls to avoid. Want to know an awesome ADHD hack? Become a follower of the show and new episodes will be served to you automatically when they become available. No need to remember to have to go looking for new episodes. Fresh survival strategies will be delivered straight to the homepage of your favorite player. On Spotify, click on the name of the show and click follow under the picture of me. And on Apple Podcasts, click on the name of the show, click on the three dots on the right hand side and select follow. I can't wait for you to join the SOS squad. So now let's get into the meat of how to make well-reasoned decisions with these three thought experiments. The first thought experiment is 
about what is most aligned with your current values. This is an exercise that will help you figure out what matters to you most right now and what option is the closest match to your current values. The first thing we do is list five things that we would get as the result of a choice. So for example, I recently needed to make a decision about where to live. I could go back to California where I had been living before the pandemic, or I could make a longer term move to Tucson. These are the top five things I could get from moving back to California. I could get access to beautiful outdoor spaces. I could get a familiar place, a place surrounded by innovation and new tech, a place where I have friends and family that still live there, and really yummy food. And these are the top five things that I could get from moving to Tucson. Number one is less financial stress and the ability to save because of more affordable housing and lower taxes. Number two, access to beautiful outdoor spaces and new places to explore. I could get more space and houses that are less close together and also more affordable houses with swimming pools. So now that you have your list of top five things you could get from making either choice, what is your number one top value? What is the reason that you like the very most? Whatever choice is associated with your number one top value at this moment is the choice you should go for. My top value at this moment is having less financial stress and the ability to save, and that makes Tucson my obvious choice. Usually hard decisions are hard because they're evenly matched in terms of pros and cons. The strength of this exercise is that it cuts through all the variables that could possibly be considered and makes you choose the one that represents your very top value in this moment. The second thought experiment to help you make powerful decisions has to do with taking failure out of the equation. If you could succeed either way, which would you choose? What if failure is not a thing? What would you choose then? Often our decisions are guided by fear and that makes it difficult to know what you really want in the first place. In this thought exercise, we suspend that fear for just a moment by imagining that failure is not a possibility. Now that fear is out of the equation, we can look at what our true desire is beneath all of that. So for example, if I could be equally happy in California or Arizona, which would I choose? If I could be equally successful as an employee as I could be as an entrepreneur, which would I choose? If I could be equally satisfied with kids or without kids, which would I choose? The third thought experiment to help you make powerful decisions is to imagine you have a future self that's 15 years older and wiser than you are right now. What do they have to say about your decision? This is a way to access your inner knowing, your wisest self. I love myself 15 years from now. Ooh, she is good. She says it like it is and she takes no BS. She has seen it all and so it's easier for her to cut through the smoke and mirrors. She's brave and she's willing to experience negative emotions in order to get what she believes in. What's your self like 15 years from now? 
What do they know that you don't know now? And when you ask them your particular question, what are their feelings about it? What wisdom does your future self have to share with you? Okay, so those are my top three favorite thought experiments to make powerful and well-considered decisions. The second step to building the skill of powerful decision-making is to know what to avoid doing. When we're in the process of making a decision, there are all kinds of sneaky, sneaky thoughts that keep us spinning out in confusion and indecision. These are the three most common false assumptions about decision-making to avoid. When you hear your brain offer you these thoughts, that's your cue to question the truth of that thought. Number one, there is a right decision. If you have ADHD, you're probably used to this idea that you get things wrong often. You're wrong with time management. You're wrong when you make careless mistakes or start daydreaming when someone else is talking or forget what you're supposed to do next. All of this wrongness that other people attribute to us often amounts to trauma and it often translates to a deep desire to get it right. I propose that there is no such thing as a right decision. I love this quote from Deepak Chopra. He says, If you obsess over whether you are making the right decision, you are basically assuming that the universe will reward you for one thing and punish you for another. The universe has no fixed agenda. Once you make a decision, it works around that decision. There is no right or wrong, only a series of possibilities that shift with each thought, feeling, and action that you experience. So what if what we're left with is just a series of possibilities? No good or bad, no right or wrong. The only thing that you can be in control of right now is your decision-making process. You can't control for the role of luck or the information you'll have in the future, but don't have yet. The second false assumption about decision-making to avoid is that if I don't make the right choice, I'll blame myself or I'll be blamed by other people. This is super common for us ADHDers. What if you just decided not to tolerate blame for the decisions you make? This is radical, right? As an adult, you get to choose not to accept blame for a decision you believe is right. You are a human being doing the best you can with the information you have. For example, if you choose to have an elective surgery for a knee injury in the hopes of improving your condition and the result is not what you hoped for, you are not to blame for that. You made the choice with the information you had at the time. You don't have control over luck or information you don't have right now. For example, what's going on inside your knee? How skilled is the surgeon at solving this particular problem? Or how well did that surgeon sleep last night? Every decision involves risk, including the decision not to decide. If you didn't get the knee surgery and the condition of your knee worsened from normal daily activity, you're also not to blame for that either. You're just not to blame. (laughs) You're a human working with incomplete information and doing the best you can. 
The third false assumption about decision-making to avoid is that if I don't make a decision, I don't have to try and fail. The thing is that no choice is still a choice. Keeping your money in dollars instead of investing in the stock market or something else is actually deciding to invest in dollars. Staying at a job you hate is deciding to continue to invest yourself in something that's not serving you. It's like that Howard Zinn quote, you can't be neutral on a moving train. Life is that moving train, and even indecision is a vote for one thing over another. The problem with making no choice is that you're letting life happen to you. And worse, when you don't test or even consider option B or option C, you miss out on the valuable learning you could get by exploring them. I love this quote from Nelson Mandela. He says, what if you're either winning or learning? This helps me to remember that failure, quote unquote failure, has, has a silver lining It carries with it valuable information so that I can keep working my way to getting closer to what I actually want. And isn't that what life is all about? And now it's time for the rescue recap. When it's sink or swim, remember these key takeaways. All right, SOS squad, let's integrate this so that we can be the ones who make powerful decisions. We tend to think that a good decision was good because it resulted in a good outcome, and bad decisions are bad because they result in bad outcomes. But this is the logical fallacy called resulting. If we really want to be better decision makers, we ought to look at the process we use to make decisions. And in order to do that, I propose three thought experiments. The first is identify the top five things that you'll get as a consequence or as a result of each choice under consideration. After you've made that list of all the things you could get, what is the thing that's the very most valued by you right now in this moment? The choice associated with the most valued thing is the right choice for you right now. The second thought experiment to becoming a better decision maker is if you could succeed either way, which would you choose? What if failure is not a thing? What would you choose then? And the third thought experiment for making powerful decisions is Consider your future self. You have a future self that's 15 years older and wiser than you are right now. What do they have to say about your decision? And lastly, avoid these three common false assumptions that we make about decision making. When you hear your brain offer you one of these three thoughts, that's your cue to call it out and question whether it's really true. The first is, there is a right decision. Mm -mm. Number two, if I don't make the right choice, I'll blame myself or be blamed by others. No, (laughs) we're not doing that. And number three, if I don't make a decision, I don't have to try and fail. Mm. (laughs) Sorry, there's no way off this moving train. We all have to make decisions. Even inaction is a decision. 
So here's the small challenge I want to invite you to try this week. Think of an upcoming decision you have to make. The size of the decision doesn't matter. Try one of these three thought experiments and see if it helps you make a powerful decision. Those three thought experiments, again, are list the top five benefits of each option, identify the top benefit from all of the options. This is your most important value at the moment. The choice associated with that value is your right choice right now. Number two, if you could succeed either way, what would you choose? And number three, what would the wiser you who lives 15 years in the future, what would they choose? Ooh, I am rooting for you and I love you. SOS squad over and out. Do you have a question about ADHD or an issue with productivity that you'd like to hear discussed on the show? I would love to throw you a lifeline. Send your SOS message to ADHDSOSpodcast at gmail.com. That's ADHDSOSpodcast at gmail.com. I can't wait to hear from you.